0: There are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air, and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco.
1: Seven-footers crew, how are we doing out there, my friends? Gerard and Jenna here. You know what it is. Gerard, how we doing over there?
0: Doing well, can't complain. We're in the home stretch now, Jenna. Uh, playoffs less than a month away. We got about I don't know, 14, 15 games or so left, and it's time to let's go. Get ready for the postseason.
1: Yeah, this is this is really pretty much crunch time. I mean, we ha- we're what four weeks out from the playing tournament, which begins April twelfth, and then that'll conclude on the fifteenth, and then. April 16th, we hit the ground running. It is the NBA postseason, baby. So let's get into things in the association. It is the race to the playoffs. We're going to talk about what teams are necessarily hitting the panic button and which teams are gliding a smooth wave to the playoff race here. We're talking about maybe some teams that are struggling and uh, teetering around that play in tournament seeding, which is seven through 10. Of course the nine and 10 seed have one chance to make it. So let's talk a little bit here, Gerard, because we got some teams mm-hmm, that
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not looking so good out there in the association.
0: Well, you know, look, if you're in the Western or the Eastern conference start there, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the season, Jenna, I was not pleased when Trey Young came out with those comments after the Hawks started like two and three or something. You know, they just weren't like clicking. He's like, oh, you know, it's hard to get up for the regular season after what we accomplished. And I was like, my guy, like, (laughs) y'all ain't really accomplished a whole lot. Like, yeah, you went to the conference finals last year. Kudos to you. Incredible. But what makes players great and what makes teams great is, consistently doing that and that is something that they have not done and so now they're out here looking at the bottom of you know they're at the bottom of the of of the race there in that 10th spot clawing their way up trying to be like yo are we even going to make it and you know it's it's quite the fall from grace for for i mean fall from grace but you know it's quite the poor performance given where they were last year nine spot excuse me not the 10th spot charlotte hornets are are in the 10th spot now the good thing the, the good news is jenna is that these players they're going to be or these teams excuse me they're looking okay to be at least in the play because the 11th place team is indiana pacers and they're four games back of the charlotte hornets and yeah. indiana indiana ain't catching nobody so that so that part of it like is at least you know you're in the playing. but for atlanta that's got to feel disheartening and for charlotte look you're a young team lamella ball in the second year you know miles bridges is someone who had some early, um, most improved player of the year buzz, you know, that sort of thing. You're not defending at a level you need to. The Hayward injury, of course, Im- impacts them. So, you know, maybe they're a little not feeling great about, about where they are. But those two teams, to me, I think, are, are sort of like the most sort of like, not worried, but like, I- I'd say disappointed is a better word for them. And then you have the Brooklyn Nets, who they're in the eighth spot. And, you know, their Weird. situation has been injuries, right? Like that's been their problem. Injuries and in Kyrie Irving, which we'll get to, I'm sure, again, at some point in this, in this episode, his, his inability to play home games because of New York City COVID vaccine mandates. Kevin Durant missed a large chunk of the season, right? James Harden forces his way out the trade, and Ben Simmons is still on the shelf and hasn't been cleared to play yet, right? So that team is not whole. So I'd say from that standpoint, they're, they're another team that's disappointed. Are they worried? No, because they seem pretty confident that when we play and our guys are here, we feel like we can take on anybody and beat anybody. Now, there's some teams at the top of the conference while they're looking pretty good right now, they may not be looking so great if they got to play Brooklyn in round run. So they might be a little bit concerned. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) Hey, I mean, here's what I do like about the playing. I mean, you don't want to face... Brooklyn in a play in. You don't want to face Hotla Top over the West. You don't wanna face the Lakers necessarily in a play in just because of LeBron James's playoff history. But these are teams that I mean when the going gets tough, though, like this, they're gonna rise to the occasion. I think the Nets are gonna definitely go up in the rankings uh, as we close out the next couple of weeks. I am surprised to see the Raptors in the number seven seed and the Cavaliers to see how uh, they've climbed. I mean, what are your thoughts about yeah. some of these teams that really yeah. weren't yeah. supposed to find themselves there necessarily? Well, so,
0: so, so that's the thing, right? So for for the for the Cavaliers. They're struggling a little bit lately, right? They were as high as number three in the conference about mm, three, four weeks ago. Now they're down to six. But let's remember, Jenna, they've already exceeded their preseason win totals. No one thought they'd be this good, so right. it, it doesn't matter. They've already exceeded expectations this year. Evan Mobley is excellent, and of course, we're dealing with the Jared Allen in, uh, injury right now. Mm-hmm. The Colin injury—he's out for the year. Allen will be back in time for the playoffs, I believe. So this team is ahead of schedule. So even if they somehow tumble out of the top six and land in the play-in, I still think it's going to be a super successful season for them because, again, no one thought they'd be this good. Everyone thought they'd be an under 500 team and, you know, are, are on the bottom of the conference. And for them to be where they are, that is a testament, obviously, to head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, but also the gold they found in rookie traffic, Evan Mobley, who is sensational. Um, of course, I mentioned uh, Darius Garland, who's an all-star this year, Jared Allen, Lori Marken in that pickup. You know, we'll see if Karis Levert can help them come postseason time. I don't expect Cleveland to um, make any noise in the playoffs, but I will say this that's the team that if you're, you know, the third seed, it's you're it, if seedings hold up and they stay six, like I believe I'm talking about. If you're one of the top three teams, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Sixers, whether they admit it or not, that's the team they would want to play in round one. It's like, oh, the Cavs, please <laughs> let's play the Cavs only because again, that Brooklyn team, uh, or you want to play the Raptors. Cause I feel like they feel confident about the Raptors we'll talk about. Although I wouldn't be so confident about the Raptors because Nick nurse, first of all, we know he's a hell of a coach and Scotty Barnes. I mean, the rookie of the year race is not open and shut. Uh, you could still vote Mobley and that'd be fine, but Scotty Barnes has been phenomenal and he yes. can do everything on the floor and yeah. he's a nightmare. <laughs> Now, they may not have uh, the go-to scorer that is needed to really, right, to really sort of, like, scare you when they had Kawhi. But, yo, Pascal Siakam is playing like an all-NBA player again. So, listen, and remember, Pascal and Fred VanVleet and Nick Nurse and OG, that crew has won an NBA championship. So, they ain't going to be nervous in no round one, no matter who they play. And you know Nurse is going to, let's put it this way. You ain't going to sweep the Raptors, whoever you are. They're going to steal a game or two off you. Hell, they might force a game seven. And you know, if a game seven is on the schedule, anything can happen then. So, you know, so you but be careful. Cleveland is probably where you want to go. If you're one of the top three seeds, I definitely don't want to play Brooklyn. And Toronto is looking scarier by the minute.
1: Heck yeah. And uh, before we jump into specific teams quick, anything uh, blanket statement to say about the West at all? Because I know we've been talking about the East for a little bit.
0: Um, well, first, let me finish wrap, wrap up on the East. I think, look, mm-hmm. Milwaukee is probably the most comfortable right now of the top three seats because they are the defending champs. They're like, well, we, we've done this before. Mm-hmm. There is no pressure on us. We know what we, right? we we're, we're going to win. And we know we've already won. So we're good. Miami, you guys want to go back and prove that that bubble run wasn't some fluke. You want to win now. Philly fans were talking all that smoke. We got James Harden. Yeah. We're going to NBA championship. Da, 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 da. You got boat raced by the Nets without Ben Simmons when Katie and Kyrie cooked y'all last week. And then last night, the Denver Nuggets and Nicole Jokic came in, came out from a 19 point deficit and put it on y'all. Mm-hmm. So if you're Philly, you're probably feeling a little like we got we to gotta get ourselves together here and figure out what we are. Um, and, you know, Chicago. I just think that, you know, they had a great season, and I think DeMar DeRozan is going to have a hell of a playoffs. I don't know that, because that would be the 4-5 matchup as of right now. Let's see who they would play. It would be ooh, Chicago and Boston. Yeah, Boston's playing so well right now, and they can – and again, Jason Tatum is on another level right now, and the, the way they guard, man, they can play. Incredible. Like, lock down. You're scoring zero point, not zero points, but you're not scoring on a Great defense, defense though. And when you have – That's the key, Jen, as you know, in the playoffs. If you can get stops like Boston can and you have guys who can create their own shot, that's usually a recipe for success. And the Celtics have two guys who can create and get their own shot in Tatum and Brown, and they play great defense. So the Celtics are another team that's probably – I'd say them, Celtics, and the bucks probably the most comfortable right now in terms of what they're doing. Uh, Miami's fine, but they're kind of like, who are we going to play in that first round? And Philly's like, we got to fix some shit because we got some issues right now.
1: Heck yeah, I couldn't agree more. Real quick uh, note on the Heat. Do you think that this season and this playoff run specifically has somewhat of an asterisk next to it just because of how things have turned out for the Heat the last couple years? After that bubble run that they had, things haven't really necessarily been up to par, and if anything, they only added great players. So do mm. you think that this is kind of a... Like they a little bit prove of themselves. A, you're under a microscope. Yeah, you got something to prove this playoff to, run.
0: That's a good point. To some people, I think it does, right? Because a lot of people don't view the bubble season, end of the season as anything real, right? Even though, yeah. look, it's basketball. What do you mean it's not real? Like, it's basketball. But they view it as, well, that was a perfect environment. No travel, you know, and it was perfect for a team like Miami who just grinds and, okay, that yeah. may be true, but- that still doesn't d- discount the fact that they put the smack down on the Milwaukee Bucks that were the best team in the regular season, right? They went to seven games against the Boston Celtics and they gave the Lakers all they could handle in the in the NBA finals. So we know Miami is a great team, we know Spo is maybe the best in-game coach in the NBA. He's phenomenal. Um, yeah. you know, for me, that really isn't my issue with Miami. My issue with Miami is can they score enough points in the half court? That that's what I'm concerned with. Because right now, to me, the only reliable half court creator is Tyler Hero. And because Jimmy Butler, he, look, Jimmy Butler is incredible, but he hasn't shot the ball well this year at all.
1: Yeah. And, he's kind of been a little stagnant on the offense. That's,
0: that's a little concerning for me. And Kyle Lowry's not that guy. And as much as Bam and Abayo is good, Bam also isn't an initiator on offense, right? Like you get him the ball so he can finish, not so much give them the ball 18 feet out and let them do some things or 20 feet. Like, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. their half court ability to score against better defenses. That's concerning to me. Like against a team like Miami or Milwaukee, like, how are they generating their points? And let's just say they end up playing Brooklyn in round one. Okay. You can be like, well, Gerard Brooklyn doesn't play any defense. Okay. But let's assume that Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving are playing and they have that seven foot sniper known as Kevin Durant. You guys going to score enough points to keep up with them? Because that that is an offensive juggernaut, right? They're going to blitz 120 on the best defense because they're that good. Easy. So, you know, are, are you going to be able to score enough to keep up with them? We'll see. So, again, half-court offense, that's my concern with Miami. But, again, it's going to be matchup dependent, who they play, et cetera. We, we shall see.
1: Heck, yeah. We shall see. Uh, the West really quick. Any blanket notes on the West before – we dive in any teams. I mean, of course, the Suns have been sitting pretty in the number one spot there. Yeah. We have the Grizzlies that crept up to two.
0: For right sure. Above those I'll, Warriors. I'll say that the top six in the West are tough. And even at the playing level, well, not, not after the Timberwolves. By the way, Timberwolves are 10 games above 500. Can we just look? We, we all love to clown the Timberwolves because like, you know, they're a really shitty organization by and large. Um, but 10 games above 500, right? Like they're, they're in that, in that, uh, seven spot they're going to hold on to that looks like pretty comfortably. I don't see any team coming from behind to catch them. I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers are four and a half games behind them. and The Lakers are 10, Jenna, the Los Angeles Lakers are 10 games behind the Timberwolves.
1: Yeah. The Timberwolves. It's, uh, it's eye opening for sure.
0: So I would, I would say those top six teams in, or top seven teams, excuse me, in the West we only started the season. Oh, the East is so much better, and I think the East is still a better conference. But the West is looking those top seven seeds. Man, that's that's looking tough. That's looking tough.
1: Heck yeah! I mean, no, I don't okay. want to necessarily say dark horses in the West, but I didn't expect to see the Timberwolves at seven. I didn't expect to see the Mavs really get it together to keep it at you know uh, top five. And the Grizzlies have me a little bit like in awe a little bit too. I mean, because you're so used to just expecting Suns, Warriors, Jazz for the most part. And I thought the Lakers as well, but all hope is lost there as well. Um, but for real, I mean, a lot of, uh, surprises here in the West. So, and really the Jazz are unpredictable in my opinion. That's just me. I, I think that the postseason really scares me with Utah so we'll see, but let's, uh, break down a little bit of, uh, the Suns here. Do they, do they need to worry at all? Even if Chris Paul is still no. dealing with that
0: hand? I, I, I the, look, the, first of all, the Suns have been the best team in the, in the NBA all season long, right? They are the number one all season, all season. They're 54 and 14. Okay. Like they are seven and a half games up on the Grizzlies and the Warriors, Bart, they have to like collapse majorly to fall out of the top spot. And that's without Chris mm-hmm. Paul. And here's the thing about the Chris Paul injury. It's a hand injury. Um, and that's a hand injury is one of those things where he can still stay in shape while he has a hand injury, right? It's not going to stop him from doing cardio and getting up and down the court running and doing all right. those kinds of things. Good point. And Chris is old. So having this time off, this these two months off might actually be a benefit heading into the postseason, right? Now you have a rested healthy Chris Paul. That's a good sign. So no, if I'm, if I'm the, the sons, I'm not worried at all. Look, Jenna, they are still number one in adjusted net rating in the NBA. They are fifth in adjusted offensive rating and third in adjusted defensive rating. The only team in the top five in both. I mean, look, they're, they're my pick to go back to the finals because I just love what they're doing. They have an, they have an identity. They know who they are. The Grizzlies, They're not worried because, again, they are exceeding expectations. Now, beginning of the season, I said they have to be a playoff team this year, right? So I figured somewhere in the top six. Well, they're blitzed ahead of that. They're second, right? They have a chance to finish with the number two seed in the Western Conference. That is ahead of schedule, right? So that 2-7 matchup, let's say the seeds hold, it would be Grizzlies versus the Timberwolves. Now, Timberwolves aren't going to be a pushover, right? And I expect right. the Grizzlies to win because this is this is their, this is is their the maturation process for them, right? Last year, they beat the Warriors in the play-in and they hit Utah in the first round. They lost to the Jazz in round one. Okay, that's, you know, you get to the playoffs as a young team, you get your lumps. The next year you go to the playoffs, you're expected to win a round. They win mm-hmm. a round and get to the second round. Okay, now I'm like, look, who knows what can happen, right? Because there are really good teams behind them. You know, depending on the matchup though, they could win that round in advance to the conference finals, but I don't expect that. I do expect them, however, however, to win around. Now, if you're looking at a team like the Warriors, Draymond Green is back. Their big three is getting together. Klay Thompson looked really great the other day. My concern with them is still interior size and rebounding when they play against you know teams with big centers like DeAndre Ayton and Nikola Jokic. Only because the Warriors' typical philosophy is, well, we go small then, and we play your big man off the court. Well, we've seen that you can't really play DeAndre Ayton off the court. He's fine switching out, so that's okay. And Jokic is such an an entity in and of himself that he's not really that much of a liability either. So that part worries me a little bit. And even though he is older and not going to play a, like you know thirty minutes a night in the playoffs, not having Andre Iguodala. On the floor right now is also concerning because that is another experienced veteran presence who when the lights are the brightest he knows exactly what he's doing as good as jordan Poole and jonathan kaminga and moses moody are and they're all fantastic players love the word gonna be great for a long time to come we'll see what it's like when those bright lights of the playoffs turn on and you're not playing the new orleans pelicans on mm-hmm. the second out of a back-to-back and you're not playing the Sacramento Kings and you're not, right? You're not you're playing the Houston Rockets. You're not playing the Thunder. You're not playing these bottom-rung teams. Every team you play in the playoffs is going to be competent at, at something. And it's going to be a series, which means a coach is going to scout. Okay, we know the Warriors are going to do this move and this move, right? And when they take those things away from you, how do you adjust? Steph and Clay and Draymond know how to do that because they've done it before. Do you guys know how to do it? We'll see.
1: Not to mention, uh, we always talk about this on this podcast, about the NBA postseason. It is a different ball game. And yes, of course, the casual fan will be like, yeah, of course. I mean, it's more competition. It's this, it's that. But if you think about the nitty gritty of it, these teams, you have one opponent. You're focusing, and I'm going by series. You're focusing on one team. You're watching the same team every night. You're facing the same team every night, watching the same habits of players and film. And the pace is 10 times more accelerated than it is in the regular season. Yes, don't get me wrong. You should play at 100% every night like LeBron James does. But unfortunately, not every player does that. Hence why we have the greats who separate themselves from the good guys. But you have to play at 100% every night. You have to be on every single night. And you and I, I'm so I'm blue in the face. We've talked about this. The pace is so different. And it's, it's very... Interesting to see the younger guys go through it and how the veterans kind of help them. And these teams that don't have a lot of experience compared to the teams that do, you see them make those rookie mistakes in the postseason. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could elaborate much better than I am. I'm just teeing it up. (laughs) The
0: the analogy I always use, Jenna, is what does the scouting report look like in the regular season versus the playoffs? As someone who covers the NBA and goes into locker rooms, I know what it's like. The scouting Mm -hmm. report in the regular season is just the, the whiteboard or the digital board at the front of the locker room. It's got three bullet points on it. Real simple. This is what we're doing. You ain't watching no film. Yeah, they have film playing, but you, listen, you just got on the road from Memphis and now you're in Milwaukee. And like, listen, you don't have time to be studying every who you're playing. Okay, uh, stop them in transition. Cover up the three. Like basic, simple things. Come playoffs, each player has a binder for each opponent, right? With a billion things to study, right? Yeah, that's because now we know we're playing team X, as you said, Only the only team we're playing right now in this round, that's all we're focused on is beating mm-hmm. this team. Here are, their, here are their pet plays. Here's what the likely adjustments are. Here's an adjustment we're gonna make to that adjustment, right? That's the nitty gritty of the game. So yes, when you are a young player, you don't have those reps to go on, right? So you don't know, it's like, wait a minute, in the regular season, this shot was open for me. Yeah, it ain't open now. You got to go to something else, and it
1: ain't gonna get open. <laughs> right? So you and, better figure it out. <laughs> and
0: that's and that's the thing, right? And that's the difference between the regular season and the playoffs is the, the the heightened focus on the one opponent, right? the the, the less the less travel. You have no back to backs, no four games in five nights, none of that mm-hmm. nonsense, right? Like you have time in between, and the stakes are so much higher. So everyone's intensity ratchets up another level. So yeah, it's gonna be different. So it'll be curious to see how teams with young players that rely on young players, like the Warriors do, how they react. Um, You know, the Jazz, Jenna, I'm kind of with you on them. Look, they're so excellent offensively. Man, they can score. Uh, that game against Milwaukee last night. I mean, geez, it's just like they can fill it up. But my problem with the Jazz is what it always is, is defense. And it's not so much about Rudy. It's none of these people on the perimeter can keep anybody in front of them. And that's a problem. So when you play good teams who can attack and get, they're going to beat you. And so, you know, uh, with the Jazz, it's going to be wait and see for me. Um, and the other thing about the Jazz, Jenna, is if they flame out yet again this year and don't advance past the first round, or as Rudy said at the beginning of the season, I think he's, or Donovan said, we have to get to the conference finals at least. If they don't get to the conference finals, how long is that Donovan-Mitchell-Rudy-Gobert pairing going to work? And how, how long does... does does Utah stick with it? Does Donovan figure out a way I got to get myself out of here because this is not happening. Right. Or, or, you know, or does Rudy try to get out Wh- whatever. Um, but that that's the question you have to ask. So a lot of pressure on the jazz this postseason. Um, you know, yeah.
1: a lot of pressure on the jazz and you know what, it just, uh, thinking of the jazz and their situation, specifically DM, my guy, my dude, <laughs> I don't, I pray that he doesn't and I, I'm not um, you know, putting Damian Lillard down, but right, right, right. I don't want it to be a situation, a Damian Lillard situation where you stay, you stay, you stay, you stay, and what's going on? Yeah. What's going on?
0: Well, like, keep in, keep in mind Donovan's got one, two, three, he's got four years left on that deal, right? And in, in the fourth year it's an it's an option. So he can he can opt out of that at 29 years old, uh, but that's the 2025, 2026 season. <sighs> uh, look, man, I, I just, I don't know. Like, and again, it, it's going to be incumbent on Quinn Snyder to figure this out. It, Rudy Rudy's on the same timeline as him. It, it's going to be on, on Quinn to figure out. Those are your two max guys, right? It, they're going to have to figure that out. And if it doesn't work, it's like, okay, how do we figure out what we're going to do and rebuild this do Does one of those guys try to force his way out? We'll see. So be watching the jazz. And now, you know, with the Mavericks and the Nuggets, I'll start with the Mavericks first, Jenna. God, they're playing incredible defense right now. I mean, Jason Kidd's got them tuned in on defense. They're the number six defense in the NBA right now. Uh, and they're number eight in adjusted net rating. And they have a guy with a new Luka Doncic. Perhaps you've heard of him. If you can Perfect. guard and you have a player who, what, what did I say about Boston? If you can guard and you got a player who can be the best player on the floor in a series, you can win any series you're in. That's Dallas right now. And by the way, let's keep in mind, Luka has not advanced past the first round yet in his career. Isn't that wild? I mean, let's also remember this is only his, what, third or fourth year in the league. So let's not Mm -hmm. lose our minds on that. As it stands right now, the first round matchup would be Utah versus Dallas. That would be a good series. Did you imagine Utah goes out in round one? Dallas?
1: To be honest with you, there's some series at the beginning of the playoffs that you can instantly predict, yeah. especially, you know, a couple years ago. No. Warriors, okay, they're taking everything for a mm-hmm. while. But th- that specific matchup, I wouldn't know off the top of my head. I would have to actually sit here and think and really, <laughs> really, like, evaluate that because I'm not going to sit here and say it's even. I mean, both teams are extremely different. But, hey, right now they're, they're rocking the same record, so –
0: and again, in the playoffs, the team that wins usually has the best player in the series. Luka Doncic can easily be the best player in that series, easily. Yeah, And yeah. they're garden. I mean... I mean, right? So, that's so I think Dallas is feeling pretty comfortable about where they are right now. And the pickup and the, the Spencer Dinwiddie pickup and Davis Bartan's pickup, I think, was big for them, really big. Um, Denver. You know, they just had that game in Philly last night. We talked about beating the Sixers, coming back from 19. That was a good game. You know, this team does not have its second and third best player in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., which we've talked about before. The fact that they mm-hmm. are a solid six seed and a competent playoff team, right? Like, the fact that they are 41-28 and 28 to- tells you how remarkable Nikola Jokic is and why he is likely the- going to be back-to-back MVPs. Because, I mean... This team has no business being this good. This is no disrespect to Will Barton and Monte Morris and but a team with them dudes should not be this good. But it is. They are because of the brilliance of Nikola Jokic. And if they get Porter and or Murray back. I mean, this team could be scary, right? The 3-6 matchup right now would be uh Denver versus the Warriors if all of a sudden Michael Porter's back for the last 10 games of the regular season, he's looking like himself hitting threes and spotting up from all that. And then you got Jokic doing his thing. And then Murray, Hey, that that's a, that's the first round matchup. That's a little more trickier than the, and the Warriors would like, or anybody, whoever ends up in the third seed would like.
1: Couldn't agree more. I mean, they were fighting uh, before Murray went down and I, I hope that he can return at least at some point. I mean, hasn't it been, it's been a minute.
0: Um so Murray got hurt uh in last season's playoffs uh or right before last season's playoffs. So yeah, so it's been over a year or not not quite. Um but it, you know, the, the ACL that takes a little while to to heal and I you know, from what I understand he's not quite there yet. So you know, look, okay. this is a long shot and you got to give give him time to work his way up. I mean, look at Klay Thompson, right? He's still working his way back into shape. So you're not going to just all of a sudden show up and be like what you were when you left. It, it's going to take time. So we'll see.
1: True. And last note on Jokic um, for that Sixers matchup, he, he was, he was battling. He was battling in the pain. I mean, his arms were beat red. I mean, <laughs> at one point, like I was like, did he get hit in the nose? His face was red. <laughs> he, he was battling. I mean, he's just carrying that team on his back. So kudos to them. They're exceeding expectations in my opinion too, Um, at this point in the game. Uh, any, any other tidbits for the no, West? No,
0: no. I, I think that's pretty much it in the West. Look, the Lakers will get to them, I guess, at some point, like they're a disaster. Like, what, I mean, <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Like, there's really nothing to say about this team. They're terrible. Um, oh look, God, they could, tell me. they could very well fall out of the playoff playing like, right? Like they could. Oh,
1: easy. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately. The the, the the Anthony Davis, it doesn't seem like any time soon. I mean, I it, that, that doesn't look good. So I don't know when he's... And let's also remember, he's not going to fix everything that ails them when he comes back. Like, this team's got a lot of problems. Jenna, they are a game up on the Pelicans for the 10th spot, which is the last play-in spot. They're only two and a half games up on the Portland Trailblazers. Now, thank God Portland's tanking, because if they weren't, I'd be like, hey.
1: <laughs> Damn it. Oh, God. It's getting harder as the season goes on. Come on, Bron, Bron, where are you at? <laughs> um, but anyway, let's shift gears a little bit, go back to the East, and let's talk about the Nets because, I mean, they've been in the news all season at this point, point. God only knows what you're going to see in the headlines. But this week we saw that they were fined 50 50- Thousand dollars for letting Kyrie into their locker room on this past Monday, uh, with their victory over the Knicks. And he was there courtside, uh, because per the law and the mandates, he is allowed to be there unmasked. And the only thing is, he cannot enter the locker room because he works for a private, uh, establishment that if he goes into the locker room, that is considered him being at work. So Mm. they get fined 50K. He was let in the locker room. KD comes out post-game and kind of kind of throws some shade at the mayor. And uh, <laughs> mixed reviews on that one from media and fans, but that's another story. But anyway, sticking to the fine and the Kyrie business. I mean, I see why the fine happened, but also, Nets, what are you doing? Why are you letting him in, letting him in the locker room? I get courtside, of course, do your thing, you know, follow the rules, but And again, I'm not, I don't agree with how all this doesn't make sense. But if you know you can't go in the locker room, why are you going in the locker room? What what were your thoughts on this whole situation?
0: I I think it's an act of public defiance by the Nets. I mean, that's what I mean, you know? As a team, they're unhappy with the absurdity of the mandate rules. And let's be clear about something Kyrie is no martyr. This is not some civil rights issue. He's not a victim. Like, no, none of that stuff. Once again, Kyrie could solve this problem by getting the vaccine. Okay. He gets the vaccine. We're not having this conversation. That's number one. This is his choice. Right. And that's fine. He's allowed to make his choice, but there are consequences for your choice. Now, where it doesn't make sense is you, part of the thing about being a leader is you have to look at cost benefits of what's in the best, what's in the best for the greater good, all those different things. Kyrie can be around his Brooklyn teammates and practice and be at the, 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 the Brooklyn Nets practice facility and, and travel on the road with them and play games and all those other arenas. He can come into the arena unmasked and unvaccinated sit courtside, which is right on the court where the guys play. And that's cool, but he can't go into the locker room because the locker room is considered a workplace environment for the players. Well, Isn't the basketball court also a workplace?
1: That's the whole point of
0: it. it, it, It's just so that's the part of it that's just incongruent, right? It just doesn't make any sense. Now, Eric Adams cannot just repeal the public. I mean, he can. But the reason why he won't repeal the private sector mandate is because 1,400 New York City workers were essentially terminated because they would not get the vaccine. That's not going to look good optically for him if he decides, all right, I'm going to lift the private sector mandate, but you didn't lift it for for these 1,400 workers. Here's a millionaire athlete who gets the benefit, even though he wouldn't be lifting it for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving will be the one getting the benefit for it. Meanwhile, these workers who need the money more than Kyrie do, who got let go from Mm -hmm. their jobs, right? That's just a bad look optically and politically. And you know, Kevin Durant coming out and 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 you know, you know, kind of calling the mayor out. I mean, like, I don't care, whatever. Like, it's right. Durant's annoyed at the situation. He also realizes I can't, Kyrie's not gonna change his mind. He knows that. So he's like, I gotta aim my for anger and frustration somewhere. I'm gonna aim it at the mayor, right? So right. that's what that was all about. Whatever, take with that, what you will, who cares? But the reality is now Adams is likely going to dig in and entrench further um, with where he is. Um, the NBA did put a a, a statement out a while ago that, well, just let Kyrie show up anyway and play in the games and just pay the fines. I think the NBA said, no, we're not going to let you do that. Right. We're not going to let you just pay fines for having actually play because that would be, you know, a blatant disregard of city mandates, which again, this particular version of the city mandate does not make any sense, right? Like you're in a city that's (laughs) 80% fully vaccinated, 90% of the residents have at least one shot like you're you're at a state where transmission rates are super low like it just this isn't following science this particular piece right here
1: you teed it up perfectly i couldn't agree more and this is the only last thing i'll say about it the only thing i don't understand is the mandate and all of this is put in place because of a global pandemic that was threatening our health so i get it i get it But Kyrie being able to go sit courtside, go walk on the court, kind of basically be anywhere but the locker room, this has nothing to do with health anymore. He's allowed to do things that don't make sense. This isn't about health. And I, I don't know, maybe people have pointed this out, but why aren't we talking about it more? This is not about health. In my opinion. Yeah. I don't it, get the, the, how the, the mandate protects anyone. If Kyrie right. has, if Kyrie were to have COVID, which he does, not right. everyone. Right. right. So he could sit courtside, but he right. could go in the right. locker room. Right. But he could af- affect anybody out here.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly room. right. I'm exactly very right.
1: confused.
0: Exactly right. And the other thing, too, is other cities... Have done different things with the mandates. Boston uh enacted a exemption for performers and athletes, right? New York could have done the same thing. The other part about it that makes mm. why people are pushing back on it is you have unvaccinated performers and athletes from other teams come into the city who are unvaxxed and they play, and that's some, somehow not an issue, right? So again, it's mm-hmm. I look, everyone knows I am pro-vaccine, pro-Kyrie. This is look, this is not about Kyrie. This is about these rules. Not making any sense in the way they are being carried out right now. This particular piece is not about safety, right? Because if it was, then why would you repeal the, the the mask wearing law? What? Then we should be right. We should be still where we were. Everyone's still vaccinated. Got to be masked. All those things. But mm-hmm. it's not that, right? So that's where you can step in and say, okay, th- this part is silly. It doesn't make any sense. Let's you know, let's change this particular portion of the, of the mandate, or at least make an exemption for athletes or performers.
1: Exactly. Um. So yeah, who knows? We'll see. We'll monitor it. We'll see what happens. But sticking with the Nets really quick, because we got to talk about their newest addition in Ben Simmons. He's still not back. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with the mental health situation, but the back issues are keeping him from physical activity, and he suffered that recent setback. So Nash comes out this week. He says he's hopeful that he'll return uh by the end of the season or before the end of the regular season he, they've been hopeful for months what's the deal here like when the trade went down they were like yeah we're targeting blah blah, blah or whatever what's the deal here
0: the the, the back issue has been something that's been troubling him uh his whole career really mm-hmm. um and steve nash initially thought it was just soreness from not having played basketball in so long but it's actually something more than that they don't think it's too serious but it's nothing where look the reality is they have Ben Sims under contract for the next three, four years. So they're not going to rush him back for this postseason to jeopardize his long-term health. Right? So they're going to be cautious. They're going to like, look, of course we'd love to have him back right now. We'd love to be a whole healthy team, all that, but we're not going to jeopardize his long-term health for the potential of some short-term gain that may not happen. So they're going to be continue to be cautious. And when he eventually progresses where the back the back is strong enough, because that's what the Nets are doing right now. They're strengthening the area, the muscles in the back, in and around the back, to so make sure that he can handle physical contact and ramp himself up to the next level. It may be a situation, Jenna, where, I mean, Nash hopefully gets a game or two in at the end of the year, maybe. Um, and then, you know, it'll be more practice time and ready for playoffs. But he hasn't been cleared for five-on-five work yet, or anything really on-court heavy, so...
1: Hmm. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, hopefully he can, you know, help this team in some capacity this season. Mm -hmm. Pending health. But as we know, the uh especially ever since Nash took over as head coach, the Nets are held first. And not that any other team isn't, but they preach that a lot. So we'll see. Let's talk about the ailing Lakers because they just can't seem to catch a break at this point. I mean LeBron James is playing at an MVP-like elite level, dropping 50 here and there, breaking records X, Y, Z. But it is not enough to overcome slipping out of that ninth seed that they're, they've are they been stuck in for months. And, you know, Russell Westbrook had the shooting struggles, this and that. But let's talk specifically about their loss against the Raptors on Monday because LeBron James kind of showed a little bit of cracks in his uh, – his hard exterior that he kind of just walks around and doesn't seem to be phased about too much. But he had specifically like two outbursts in that game draw. Did you check those out in the viral videos oh, on social media? Oh, I media? saw
0: them. Look, I mean,
1: Scotty look, Barnes survived a, a spike ball to the face. I mean, it was a lot. Look, th- but this is,
0: listen, Lakers fans, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. This year and next year, this is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. The Lakers are, for better or worse, tied to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Now, LeBron James is doing his part. We know what the Russell Westbrook situation is. Anthony Davis stays hurt. So, I mean, I I really am (laughs) out of things to say. If you're LeBron, all he's focused on right now, honestly, my guy, keep climbing up in them record books, right? Going after Kareem's all-time record in terms of scoring points and all that, because... You're not winning no titles, not in this, not this year for sure. And certainly not looking like next year, unless some radical change happens, which good luck. Good luck trading that Russell Westbrook contract. Maybe there's some dumb team out there who takes it on. (laughs) I doubt it, but you know, we'll see. But this is, this is where you're at. You, this is, this is who you thought was going to be good enough to help you win a title and it proved not successful. Anthony Davis hurt. Now here's the other part about this. LeBron, 37, 38. He's aging, right? Yeah, he's back now. But every year now, since he's been a Laker, he suffers some kind of injury. We all know the best predictor of future injury is previous injury. The likelihood of LeBron being injured next year is highly likely. So he's going to miss time next year. And as I said, Anthony Davis stays hurt. So he's probably going to miss time next year, too. This This is who your team is right now. And, you know, you're... This is this is like what it was like at the end of Kobe's run, and then you were in the in, in the wilderness for those years and being terrible until LeBron came. This is what it's gonna be like, Lakers. You listen, you got your championship in the bubble. Congrats. Because you ain't won another one for a while.
1: Well, everyone, you guys can exit to the left after that eulogy. <laughs> um <laughs> fine. <laughs> but anyway, for real, yeah, the Lakers. It's looking like they're going to get bounced out uh, early on. I mean, hey, maybe they'll have some type of surge or miracle in these last four I mean, weeks. But Jenna,
0: you, you, you wishing and hoping on a prayer. It ain't happening.
1: I'm hoping on all the goddamn prayers, Gerard. <laughs> but that's that's another story for another time. Because last question about the Lakers before we move on. Um, Frank Vogel, hmm. what's the deal? I mean, is this it? Is should he be gone?
0: Just, listen, Frank Vogel didn't forget how to coach. This is not a Frank Vogel issue. This is a roster issue. This roster is terrible. Like, I mean, (laughs) you're asking him to make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Like, I mean, what?
1: Love it. He didn't forget
0: how to coach basketball all of a sudden. This roster is not good. It just isn't. And again, when you rely on AD and LeBron to be the core and the centerpiece of everything, and one of them is always hurt, that is a problem westbrook is not good anymore we know this that's a problem i mean like you listen i've said it a million times i'll say it again you'd be a lot better off you had alex caruso contavious caldwell pope kyle kuzma right you'd be a lot better off right now if you had those guys you don't so this is where you're at
1: big facts well let's talk about those uh uh, timber puppies because they're not puppies Mm. any longer. Okay. (laughs) Specifically let's talk about Carl Anthony towns dropping a career high, 60 points, the most scored in this NBA season. And he made a franchise record when he dropped 60 the other night in a win over the Spurs. I mean, he was on fire 19 for 31 overall. He, uh, grabbed what? 17 boards finished uh seven for 11 on threes. I mean, he was immaculate in the post, uh, game interview it was funny he didn't even know he had 32 in the third quarter i mean damn that's not even real that's like nba 2k numbers i mean (laughs) we already bragged about the timber puppies before but cat's really having himself a time and i will say before i give you the floor he just seems more confident than ever right now um in his game and himself and his life of course granted this terrible situation with his um family but Mm -hmm. You know, on the floor, he mm-hmm. is confident as ever. I mean, that performance was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kat, for, forever, we've said, is one of the most talented big men in the league. And, you know, he... It's going to be tough keeping him off an all-NBA team this year, right? So, we know Jokic and Embiid get the first two center spots. I mean, does... Do you get the third center spot to Kat or Rudy? Like, I mean, again... The the if you look if you look at just raw production and counting stats, of course, Cat will take the cake in that because he he scores more and all that. Um, you know that my favorite stat to look at is estimated plus minus. And I'm looking at estimated plus minus. Carl Anthony Towns right now is ahead of Rudy Gobert. Uh, plus four point eight. Rudy's a plus four point five. I think you might have to give it to to Cat um, right now. And look, the Timberwolves, as I said, they're playing outstanding. They are ten games above five hundred, Jenna. Like forty and thirty, they're good. Ooh. And in if they can seeds hold and they play Memphis in that first round, it's gonna be a tough series for Memphis. You know, Cat Anthony Edwards, Angelo Russell. It's it's gonna be tough because those guys are gonna ball. So kudos to Cat and the Timberwolves.
1: Yeah, they're they're gelling. They're looking good there. So let's move on and talk about uh, the Dubs because finally. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry reunited on the floor, the famous big three after a thousand days. Uh Draymond <laughs> was out with his uh recent injury there. That what? He's been out for like what months, months at this yeah. point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, minutes restriction in a win against the Wizards on Monday night. And it was Steph Curry's birthday. I mean, talk about a birthday present. I mean, what's your thoughts about? The big three initially coming back together and reunited. How did they look? Are they going to, did they foreshadow any playoff uh, fear for anybody
0: else? I mean, for sure, you have to be fearful of them. Because again, this is a team that has championship DNA, right? But the three of them, they've won three NBA titles. So they know what it takes to win on the biggest stage. Um, They're among the highest basketball IQ players that exist. Um, They've got that DNA and that pedigree. I'm not worried about them. You know, Clay is starting to come around. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like defensively come postseason. Um, But, you know, this team's going to be a tough out. Like There's a reason why they've had around the second or third best record in in the league all season long because they're really good. And they got that man, Steph Curry. And when Draymond comes, he unlocks everything, not only defensively, but offensively offensively for them as well, particularly in the pick and roll and just organizing and getting everybody where they belong and doing what they have to do. They're going to be a tough out. Um, You know, again, when they play against the better teams, I'm curious to see what that's going to look like, right? Like when they've got to play to get to the conference finals. I still like Phoenix because Phoenix again, those minutes where they played um, Draymond at center, does Phoenix exploit that and grab all the rebounds and just dominate on the interior? I think they do. As good as Draymond is, I think they do. Um, and again, are the minutes where Steph's like on the floor and they're spacing and they're doing their small ball? Is that enough? I don't know. Right. I just, I just love what I'm seeing from, from, uh, from Phoenix in that regard. But Golden State, look, if Golden State comes out and gets to the finals, that wouldn't be a shock to me. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I think Draymond said something last night similar to this, but he said something like along the lines of, doesn't matter what seed we are. Uh, oh, yeah. We can yeah. still make a championship run or oh, whatever. Of course. So
0: they know how to win on the road. They're not afraid of any environment. There's nothing right. It's not going to be, the moment is never going to be too much for them. It's just going to be about, will they, will some team out execute them? And it's going to be tough when you have that level of pedigree and championship experience.
1: 100%. Let's jump back into the MVP race here really quick and talk about uh, these two bigs that are, you know, really good. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Again, we talked about that matchup on Monday night. Uh, Jokic and the Nuggets took the win against uh, the Sixers and Joel Embiid, but, After the game, Jokic was asked about his MVP race with Joel Embiid. They've both been playing incredible this season and definitely two strong candidates. He said, quote, we have the same comments. As long as a big man wins, then we're going to be fine. So these two, they were caught on camera talking during the game. And I remember looking uh, at DAPA, my boyfriend. (laughs) and it's a new term in my vocabulary let me shine let me shine but I remember looking at him during the game and I was like oh god I'd love to be a fly on the wall I wonder what they were talking about and funny enough Jokic said this after the game what are your thoughts about that uh that these two have kind of not so much locked into the competition but kind of talked and saw the bigger picture and you know a big should win this
0: I mean I think Embiid really wants it you know Jokic is sort of that superstar where like Of course, I'll be happy if he wins it, but he doesn't really care if he does. I mean, and Embiid said said the the same thing, like, you know, I care about winning. The wins are what matters right now. So, look, I think they're both deserving. I think, you know, between them and Giannis, I think any one of those three you could say is the MVP, and I wouldn't. I'd be like, "Eh, that works. Um, I think it is Jokic, though, again, just given all the metrics, how he makes his team better, um, just by, you know, his playmaking ability. He's such an elite playmaker. Um and you know and of course he can score and rebound and just his all around game and he's excellent on defense he's phenomenal um and again without him this is a lottery team for sure right so they might be the worst team in the league if you take him off like that's how bad um that is so true. you know I I just gotta give him props and right now I'd say it's it's Jokic Jokic for MVP but it is a shame yeah. though that Embiid. If, you know, one of them is going to end up on the second team, all NBA as a center, which is a travesty. Like they both should be all NBA first team. Like I don't care about positions. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they are two. The, both of them are among the top five players in the league right now.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more there. But let's go and move on to one of our favorite things that we do every episode, top five. We mm-hmm. are talking mm-hmm. about going off and naming our top five teams that we think are the Mm -hmm. top five best teams Mm -hmm. in the league right Mm -hmm. now. Both conferences, hit me with your top five, Gerard.
0: All right, I'm going to go with our Memphis Grizzlies at number five, uh, Miami Heat at number four, Golden State Warriors at number three, Boston Celtics at two, jump up for the Celtics, and Phoenix Suns at one. I do want to say I got the Mavericks. I kind of had them tied for five in in a cheat. That's like, they're playing pretty well, but that's my top five.
1: Love it. My top five is the Timberwolves. Okay. Ooh. Give them their flowers. The Nuggets. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's up. You know what's up. And I'm going Celtics at three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going. Warriors 2, mm-hmm. Suns 1.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 I like That's it. That's what I I'm like
1: vibing it. with. That's what I'm vibing with. I like and it. And really quick, before we let you guys go, some news and notes around the league here. The NBA just released some extremely mm-hmm. important dates today, and we are talking about the uh, lottery, the draft, and what was the third one I said here, Gerard? Uh... Lottery,
0: draft, and combine days.
1: Yes, yes, yes. The Combine is going to be May uh, 16th to the 22nd in Chicago. The lottery is May 17th from Chicago, of course. Mm-hmm. And then the draft will jump down to June 23rd. And that will be at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And the draft has been there in what? The past couple of years. Yeah. Well, correct? yeah. Past like past like yeah. five years
0: I think it's been there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'll be with you guys through all of it. Just want to let you guys know that that is what you have to look forward to. And congratulations to Coach Popovich, who became the winningest coach, passing, Uh, what is it, uh, mm-hmm. Donnie Nelson there? Don,
0: Don Nelson, yep, yep, yep.
1: Go, Coach Pop.
0: <laughs> and, of course, you
1: know, it's only right that, you know, he says something wild, like, we're running suicides <laughs>
0: after they celebrate in the
1: locker room. Classic and, uh, Pop, classic Pop. Give him a little shower there. So, <laughs> love it. Congratulations to him. Uh, well, well-deserved. And we oh, expected of course. that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Pops had like a run of like seasons where he just won like 50 games just about every single year, which is incredible. Right. I mean, kudos to to Pops. And of course he said, couldn't have done it without all the great players that he had playing, playing for him. So kudos to Greg Popovich, all-time winning as coach. Love
1: it. Love it. Thank you guys for hanging out with us guys. This is it. It's crunch time. We are a month out. So stick with us all the way to the playoff race. It's only going to get better from here.
0: That's right. You know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, all that. We are part of the Props Network, of course, as you know, at 7 Butters Pod on Twitter, at 7 Butters Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Jen And until next time, guys. Spent a couple years out here with these raps, to have a plan that we may come true. Apply to some jobs, but I ain't here back. I don't wanna trap, what's a man gon' do? Chevy told me, come through to the spot. Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew. Right around 10, came dressed in the nines. You already know what we really finna do. When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene,
1: pull up on the scene.